What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched The Old Guard, 2020 film on Netflix, originally released on Netflix. That's what we watched. We also watched it on Netflix. (laughs) We watched it on Netflix, and these are our first impressions, full of spoilers, so... If you don't want spoilers, don't... Go watch the movie. That's how you avoid spoilers. The movie. Um, of course, if you watch the trailer, you get the main gist of... Yeah, the- there was very little in the uh, trailer that was not in the movie. Yeah, I think a lot of... Yeah. A lot of the reveals happen kind of at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So... so did you, did you, I, that doesn't count as a spoiler. Did you like it? It's a good movie. I did not like it. You did not like it. No, that's interesting. I thought it was so boring and predictable. <laughs> Those things are definitely true. Um, I liked the fight scenes. I thought the fight scenes were well done. I I wasn't impressed by the fight scenes. Maybe I just was in a mood. And I don't know. Maybe you, sometimes we, you, we don't like the same things. I, uh, well, we had a couple distractions, including forty-five minutes straight of a cat meowing at the door. <laughs> Which eventually we stopped the film and let her outside for a little bit. Just to just to calm her down. Um, to stop the meowing. Um, yeah. So perhaps that, or I just wasn't in the mood. But oh, I, you I didn't think like it. That's that's interesting. The fight scenes again. I'm always going to come back to like Atomic Blonde. Well, Atomic Blonde is a perfection of fight scenes, especially like... when you show me a film with Shirley Theron <laughs> in it. I'm um, always going to come back and compare to that and that. Um... No, it was not that level of, of quality. But I think I I enjoyed really the plane fight. I thought was well executed. Um, I enjoyed. This is a thing that I feel like a lot of fight scenes don't do, which is that they understood why the characters were fighting, yeah. and they used that to motivate how they fought. Which is, I mean, like, a relatively low bar in terms of action sequences. But I think we've seen some pretty bad action movies in the last, um, you know, few months. Yeah. And so... Are you referring to Zack Snyder? I am. It's a secret. I just... uh, That's true, but I didn't find them (laughs) creative. But you didn't care. Uh, and I don't know. I I think on Rotten Tomatoes it's got like an eighty percent, which is it's got a, it's got a pretty good yeah pretty good I think rating, um, for Rotten Tomatoes. So eighty percent, but a weighted average of six point five. So what my issues are, I just couldn't get into the story. Basically, I mean, I didn't think there was a story. Yeah, that's so, why I couldn't get into it. <laughs> there was no story to speak of. This was. The setup of a movie rather than the, or really, I mean, arguably the setup of like a franchise. Yes. yes. Um, because it takes the one clever idea. I think it's hilarious that this is called a superhero movie on Wikipedia and in other places. Because um, that is not what I think of when I watch this movie. They don't really have superpowers except for being immortal. They have, they have is, a superpower. <laughs> I guess that is a superpower, but it's not like they're super strong. Or yeah. They heal quickly. They heal quickly. That's part of being immortal. But they hurt when they get hit. Yeah. Um, which I thought was the, the one like interesting twist to this. is like, okay, they can't die forever, but every time they get shot, it hurts. Every time they you know get punched or stabbed or whatever, like... 
that is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and they use that interesting idea to carry the movie. Um, which is not, they don't, they don't do anything with it. They just go, isn't that neat? <laughs> I would have appreciated it more if they had done something interesting with it. Cause I think from a, you know, if we're looking at like superpowers perspective, like their superpower is they're all Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wolverine has actually done some really interesting things with that as a superpower, not just in the x-men films but in the comics and Mm -hmm. things like that they've explored that and there was a big event called the death of wolverine and and how do you kill someone like that and what does that look like um or dealing with the fact that wolverine is hundreds of years old and like how does he emotionally deal with that i'm talking myself out of enjoying this movie amy as i'm doing this (laughs) (laughs) because yeah you have these characters that are thousands of years old in some cases but never feel like they are thousands of years old. You know, I never get a sense of that time. The, the, how heavy that must be. Yeah. There, there's some lip service paid to it in like, you know, you can't talk to her family anymore or everyone you love is going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. But it's just lip service. Like I, none of these characters felt like they were a thousand years old. Well, not all of them. None of them felt like they were 300 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Or what that means. I I just think that there was a lot of interesting things in their backstory that just stayed backstory. Yeah, they didn't feel like they impacted anything in what was going on. Mm, Yeah, so try to meet the film where it's at, where films are at. Um, Instead of saying, I wish they had done this and this and Mm -hmm. this. But as it was, bare bones story, they're immortal, they're mercenaries, mm-hmm. they have a code of of right and wrong for what they fight for. They can die, but then they come back mm-hmm. super quickly, they can heal super quickly, and then the most boring villain of... <laughs> A pharmaceutical company wants to kidnap them and it was, imprison it was them. Martin Screlly in all but name. Yeah, yeah, young young CEO um, who wanted to use their tissues and DNA to unlock mm-hmm. longer lifespans for humans, and that's really the plot of the film is around them them going chasing them down and trying <laughs> to, to capture them yeah. and the um the one scientist whose name uh whose name this is another thing i didn't know anyone's name except for andy yeah. and nile andy and, and that's nile. only because they said it a, a lot. lot otherwise um i wouldn't have Known their names. Where's the scientist guy who betrays them on... (laughs) This is not on the Wikipedia. Booker? No, not Booker. No, he wasn't the scientist. The guy who had been tracking them and had the boards of newspaper articles. He wasn't a scientist. Okay, the... Okay, he was the ex-CIA agent. Yeah. To Hotel oh. Ejiofor. Okay. Yeah. 
He's on the list. I'm looking he at his is, name. I see it now. His name was Copley. Yeah, James, James Copley. Because he was a cop. Lee. Oh. Uh, just, he seems surprised that the CEO would be more interested in the profit of, of studying these people than, like, unlocking the life potential. Yeah. And, duh, that's so boring. <laughs> of course the CEO is... More mm-hmm. interested in the profit. How could an ex-CIA agent mm-hmm. be surprised at all? And that was that was the plot of the film. Yeah. Not the interesting things that these characters might have done and lived in there. Mm-hmm. We get a little bit of that in flashbacks. We see Quinn, um, you know, being buds with Charlize Theron character Andy um, which is something I do want to mention that I think is interesting from a like just an interesting unexpected thing in the movie Um, it doesn't I think paper over any of the flaws we're talking about but it's a surprisingly gay movie yeah yeah a really um, not understated it's not about the characters being gay but they are they exist Um, which is nice yeah because, yeah, you have... You definitely uh, don't see that in superhero No. Films. You have Joe and Nikki, who are soulmates, for lack of a better term. They were on either side of the Crusades. Yeah. The and then they're buds. And they're, lov- they're lovers. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, devoted to each other. Um, which is... Their portrayal of that relationship, I think, was strong of the actors. They weren't given much to work with in terms of story mm-hmm. or beats or anything interesting mm-hmm. about that. Um, and then, of course, um, Andy is is very clearly to be shown in love with Quinn, who was sort of the first other immortal she ever found. I don't know. Clearly. I, I did feel like it was a little bit of queer baiting. Like, it could or it couldn't. I, I okay. Think it was... I, was, I was reading it. I think just because you had Nikki and Joe being I, so gay. Well, I think maybe because Nikki and Joe were, like... There was no question yeah. that the fact that there was kind of question around Quinn and Andy... Okay. I wasn't, um, then, I wasn't sure. That's I fair. see it. I mean, her, Charlize Theron's reaction to Quinn being taken away felt not just like, oh, my best friend is being taken yes. away. <laughs> yes. I, I would agree. Um... But that is definitely like an interesting story element that is dropped for the rest of the movie and then comes up in the sequel bait Mm -hmm. stinger, um, which was less interesting to me. Um, And that does make it like a superhero movie. And they took the only interesting thing and put it in the stinger so you'd watch the next movie. Yeah, that was the most interesting thing. Uh, Yeah, for me, at least. Yeah. Um, I think it is... Um, interesting, again, I think there's a lot of good ideas they didn't follow through necessarily. I think it's interesting that they basically make the immortality just this side of explicitly supernatural. Um, they never say it's supernatural. Charlize Theron makes a joke about like, oh, there's no God. Um, but there's never any indication that like the scientists wouldn't find anything. Because my theory was like, okay, this is an explicitly supernatural thing, which is what I had believed up until Martin Farmabro shows up. 
Um, like you could do all the tests you want and they would just come back normal. Mm -hmm. Um, we never get an answer to that or Mm -hmm. an explanation and they don't seek one out, which is fine. You can make that choice, but it didn't feel like a justified choice on the part of the immortals. Like I think about like Highlander as an example of another thing with immortal people. It's like, yeah, you live forever unless your head gets cut off. Um, why? I don't know. It just happens, man. It's a thing. Don't ask questions, which you can do and works. But when you have one, the the villain of the movie, like focused on the mechanics of it, I think you lose the ability to just go, eh, don't worry about it. It's just supernatural. It's divinely inspired and it happens and we don't know why. Um, because you're then introducing to the audience that there must be a reason and that somebody is, unless you specifically have them go, no, there's no reason. Like we, the scientists, we drank all their blood and we put it into microscopes and nope, nothing's, nothing's weird. We don't know what's going on, which is not what the movie does. The movie just ignores that question. I don't know. I feel like Andy grapples with it a little bit of, of why this and when does it end? Yes, but not with the, like, mechanics of it. She's grappling with, I think, the philosophy of it. And, you know, she struggles with it. The slight arc that she gets over the course of the film, I think, is the, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. It doesn't feel like it matters. Oh, we just didn't look into the research. Actually, it did matter. Cool. That's, like... You know, having Copley come in and go, actually, it did matter. Look, I have a, I have a crazy wall that says everything you did mattered. The conspiracy wall. Yeah. Everything you did mattered. Here, I've got string. <laughs> which is all she needs to go back to doing it. Um, which, again, I think if you lean into the supernatural of it, you go, oh, like we are agents of positive change. There's a reason for our existence. Yes. And specifically, like, the things that we do have long-reaching positive consequences that we can't predict. Um, So we just have to keep trying to do what's right in the moment. Again, these are interesting ideas that the movie, like, looks at and goes, Oh, I wonder what's over there. Let's let's punch some things. Yeah. 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 Other thoughts? Or are you just <laughs> letting me ramble? <laughs> I, I, I want it to be better. I want, you know, it's got two female leads, a mm-hmm. uh, black female director. Like, so <laughs> you wanted it to be better. <laughs> kind of like uh, late night. I remember watching that and being like, "This should have been better." Yeah, lot, <laughs> but I, I did hear feedback from people who really, really enjoyed it, and and whose opinions I very much respect. So, um, yeah. we don't always agree, agree with people. Um, there is no right or wrong. No, these are just opinions. Um, I don't. Maybe on the Snyder films, if you absolutely love them, you might be wrong, but. <laughs> Okay, just kidding. Uh, I don't know. There's some people who like Tarantino films who are wrong. Um, <laughs> I would I would do say that more about those than I would the Snyder films. But Ooh, okay, <laughs> sorry for alienating just poking, some of our poking our fans. We're never going to get patrons fans. now. Um. Uh, there were some fun bits. Um, the speaking Russian bit I thought was cute, like mm-hmm. telling the the pilot to play dead. I think it's too because. Charlize Theron had one expression through yeah. the whole film. 
true of some of her other films as yeah. well. I'm going to have to pay attention now. But also, she just has one expression. So, um, yeah. I kind of got she's doing, bored she's doing with the that. blue like, steel. One like level. thousand yard stare. Yeah. Um, and I think. If I if I'm being so generous, so there's no more complexity, kind of the emotional yeah, if things I'm happening. Being generous, I could read that as her playing the still waters run deep sort of thing, like struggling under the weight of all of this. I don't think it played well, but I could see that being a choice being made deliberately. Um, yeah, I keep thinking about cool things that that didn't go anywhere. Like they all had their own unique cool weapons. That was neat. Mm-hmm. And didn't go anywhere, and the, most of them disappeared for most of the movie, mm-hmm. except for the axe. I only remember that the axe that Andy carries. One that's... of them carried a sword, like a big oh, two-handed yeah, sword, like, from, like a crusade sword. Yeah, sword. yeah. Uh, one of them had like a, a scimitar. Again, I think I think that was like Joe and Nikki had their their respective crusadey weapons. How accurate any of that was, I don't really know. Don't really care no, from a historical perspective. Um, I think the designers were like, this axe looks really cool, so we're going to make it important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pharma Bro steals it for reasons. <laughs> and looks like he's ready to use his weapon when these folks yeah. break into his penthouse apartment, which I don't know what he thinks he's going to do after they mowed down yeah. <laughs> like Everybody dozens knows. of special forces men with, yeah. with um, Gun, big guns. Big guns. Guns. I do have to ask because I know this and I was very proud of myself. Do you know who was playing Farmer Bro? No. He looked familiar, but Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter movies. Hmm. I recognized him. I can't I can't re- even recall what that actor looks like in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. So Well, Good job, uh, younger, Kevin. Younger. Good, good job. <laughs> you beat me in my own game. I did. That's that's who that was. He played Dudley Dursley um, in this movie. Uh, I think too. I, I'm kind yeah. of like numb to the fast healing kind of immortal storyline. It wasn't interesting to me mm-hmm. because I've been binging vampire diaries in the originals for the last year and during the (laughs) pandemic and that's part of the vampires yeah that's that's a very common myth is that they can they still feel the pain too Mm -hmm. of these like yeah acts of violence against Mm -hmm. them but they can heal as long as it's not a stake to the heart ripping their heart out or cutting off their head yeah they'll survive standards um and that and plus exposure to all the wolverine stuff Mm -hmm. so that wasn't it it could have been unique and interesting in the film you can have superpowers Mm -hmm. from different franchises and things that are still interested but since it didn't really it wasn't novel it wasn't novel so that didn't um pique my interest Mm -hmm. also in the vampire tires mythology like one of basically the worst thing that can happen to you as a vampire is to be set in a coffin and dropped mm-hmm. into a body of water because sure. then you just wake up and you drown and over and, and over again over yeah i mean i did that back on angel for a season or for not for a season but 
I don't remember. Did they do it to Angel? They do it to Angel between two of the seasons. It's actually Connor does it to him, which is kind of the big betrayal. His son, yeah. who went to a hell dimension and then came back. Well, Connor, Connor wasn't really a good guy. <laughs> no, no, Connor was not a good guy. Um, um, yeah, he did I that. I don't remember that. He did that Angel. to Angel. Well, it happened, like, between seasons. So, like, season finale is him getting dropped in the coffin in a body of water. And then, like, by the end of the first or second episode of season next... He's out. Um, he, I mean, it's, it's Angel. The show's Angel. Angel. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't just disappear him for a whole season. Um, yeah. So that while horrible happening to Quinn, she's left mm-hmm. in an Iron Maiden coffin for five hundred years mm-hmm. at the bottom of the ocean, continually waking up and drowning. Yeah, is, it's like, bad. Is horrible. I'm also desensitized <laughs> to, to that because I've become. It's just it's not you're, it's not novel anymore. It's, it's just not a normal... novel, and because nothing interesting, I say that, and I don't know what kind of interesting choices they could have made around it. But well, um, it's it's simply used to put Quinn on a metaphorical bus, and it's it really is the uh, to use another trope. It's the woman in a refrigerator for Charlize Theron. Yeah, it doesn't her characterization and who she is because of any of that who Quinn is because of any of that is doesn't really matter. It's just to motivate. Well, another reason it doesn't Andy. work for me is the emotional stakes weren't there. We're yeah. just told that they have this strong relationship and we do Quinn and Andy. Mm-hmm. We do see some flashbacks of them um, fighting together, but mm-hmm. we never see, we're never really shown the development of those emotional yeah. attachments so that we don't feel the grief and the, um, just like horror of, mm-hmm. of this moment. Yes. Um, and I will say, because I'm also familiar with all these vampire stories, not vampire diaries as much, but I was thinking about Angel and the Buffyverse a lot while watching this. And it's now occurring to me, these are just vampires without vampire problems. They're not eating, <laughs> they don't have to eat blood and a safe through heart won't, won't kill them. Yeah, and they're fine with sunlight. Although I think the vampire diaries might be fine with sunlight. No, they have daylight rings. So oh. witches... <laughs> Make magic jewelry. They don't okay. have to be a ring. It can be a bracelet or a necklace okay. or something so that's imbued with rings. the powers so that they can go out in the the daylight. Oh, great. Cool. So they're not... Because filming at night is expensive. They're not immune <laughs> to sunlight. If they lose their ring, they burn. Okay. So these, were the, these, these immortals are vampires without any of the downsides. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's an interesting thought. But... Quinn is brought into the narrative so that we can be told how she was eliminated from the narrative to make Charlize Theron sad. To give, yeah, motivation to, yeah. or a backstory, yeah. emotional backstory. Um, and then, of course, spoilers, I think we've said it twice already, uh, she shows up at the end in the stinger and is like, I'm still here. Which I kind of knew exactly what that was going to be well, the case. Well, it was a matter of Chekhov's gun because yeah. um, Niall has having these visions of Quinn underwater drowning. Yeah. And by the end of the film, nothing has happened, happened around it. So I wasn't surprised. That was the fulfillment of yeah. Chekhov's gun. Is she <laughs> shows up and she's probably going to have some sanity issues mm-hmm. after 500 years of drowning yeah and so you, you know that's coming yeah they're making a, a sequel film. they're making another one because of course they are because that's the 
you know, I it, I think of, you know, the end of Back to the Future. It's like, Marty, we got to go to the future to save your kids. Which was done at the end of Back to the Future without any context of them actually making a sequel initially. But, I'm fine with, with yeah. opening it up for um, a franchise and whatnot. I think that's what we felt after watching... Was it Underground Six the one? Six right? Underground, Six yeah. Underground. Ryan Reynolds. The, I enjoyed um, Six Underground a lot more though. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I mean, the stunt scenes in that impressed me. Yeah, <laughs> in Six Underground, they impressed me. That's Even though it was a formulaic kind of bare bones story. Yeah, but it was it was Michael Bay being Michael Bay. He was bringing his enthusiasm and and perspective to this i don't know the director of this film's body of work i mean i, I looked mean, at it she and it's wrote like, and directed love and basketball like she has got good chops. stuff under her belt yeah um love and so, basketball disappearing act secret life of bees i i don't see it in the directing so much as in the, the script, script. well part. yeah but i think Certain directors can elevate a script. Because I think Six Underground by someone that was not Michael Bay would be less good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because it's basically the A-Team. And the A-Team movie was real bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, as you said, you found the fight scenes, like, enjoyable and Mm story-driven. Specifically, I think the ones that I found interesting. So the plane one, which I mentioned. Then the fight at the end towards the end where they're breaking out of the science facility where Andy isn't healing. Mm -hmm. And so the fight choreography became about having the other people take the hits for her. That's true. That is interesting. That was an interesting narrative driven fight scene choice. And so like those bookends, so to speak of the airplane fight and And that at the end, we're like, look, we're getting out of this. We're getting out of this together. If you can't heal, we're just going to take the hits for you. Mm -hmm. And seeing that play out in different ways was hitting that that novel button of like, oh, that's an interesting way to deal with that. Like, that's not, um, that's clever. I had not seen that before. And, And clever is important. And thus, building the fight scenes around that made them more interesting. I still don't know who any of the people are, um, so I know their moment-to-moment motivation, but not necessarily their their larger. Like, larger backstory of we don't want to be captured, which is fair, but... You, yeah, I that is a clever, clever device. I think I got by the end of the film and was like, what time is it? Is <laughs> the movie over yet? <laughs> how much longer do we have? Um, that's fair i mean if you could make i i think the backstory of andy could be fascinating because she was thought of as a goddess she's yeah. probably from at least ancient greece if yes. not um further before is when she was was born and lived that's fascinating mm-hmm. and yet it was made boring and uninteresting <laughs> because How, they they didn't engage with it at all they didn't like they just said the thing and then didn't do anything with it, I think. Because I agree. I think those are fascinating things. Or um, the the burden of a thousand years of knowledge. Like, what does that look like? How does that impact someone? And I never got a sense of that. Just that thousand yard stare. Yeah. The thousand year stare. Thousand uh, y- uh, oh! Uh, but she's clever. probably more like at least two thousand. Yes. 
years old. Yeah, she's very old. Um, Do you know anything about the graphic novel? And I just ask because we've talked before, not on the podcast, but to each other about how graphic novels and comic books right now are often being sold as skeleton screenplays, basically, to publishers. (laughs) Um, I don't know about that. I know... Like, Greg Rucka, who wrote the graphic novel and also this movie, which is an interesting choice. Um, something that, like, Mark Miller did, who went on to do, like, Kick-Ass. Um, and The Kingsman. Both of which feel like they were that, I'm going to write a comic so that I can turn it into a movie mm-hmm. thing. Um, not a lot of... Rucka's stuff is particularly familiar to me looking at his bibliography right now. Like, none of these names are things that stand out to me. Like, he, he spent some time working on DC, like, on Detective Comics, and he wrote six issues of The Punisher. But, like, he's not a standout name to me, and I don't know the history of this graphic novel, but it would not surprise me if it was... in that same sort of space of, you know, written to be a movie, but I'm going to make it because literally, and I've heard people talk about this in, in creative industries, like selling an idea is 10 times easier. If you already have it in another existing medium, even if it's not made for that medium, um, Emily Vanderwerf, co-creator of Arden, a podcast I really like, and I think Amy likes too. Yes. <laughs> um, talked about like she's she's been trying to sell a TV pilot for a number of years, and like nobody's interested. But lots of people have approached her about making Arden into a into a TV series mm-hmm. because it already exists and it's proven to yeah. have a fan base. And her point is like. No, Arden is a podcast. Like, to its core, it is a podcast. It is about the serial-esque <laughs> true crime podcast. Like, it only works in that medium. And there are not enough comics that are being written for the medium of comics as the end point. Lots of people are going, again, I'm, my point of reference for this is uh, C. Spike Troutman, owner of Iron Circus, who published small indie press comics and she's like i can always tell when you're like putting together a multimedia package and you just want to use comics to get started i don't want to talk to you write a comic because you want it to be a comic book that's the end goal um and the stuff they put out is usually pretty good because it is written to be comics so yeah that's a good question i don't know if that was the case for the old guard but it wouldn't surprise me I think I would still watch a sequel because I see the potential. Yeah. And I would hope that. I like Charlie's there and punching people. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Can't I'll argue watch with that. that. <laughs> I, yeah. Atomic Blonde has given me a lot of goodwill. <laughs> yeah, this was not Atomic Blonde good. I'm really, any level. But. Uh, oh, I was going to make another point about comic adaptations. It's funny, like. Um, Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. It's a real bad comic. I read it after watching the first season of the show and was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this would not make a good TV show, first of all. Um, but second of all, they, oh, they turned it into a good TV show. Mm-hmm. 
because it wasn't written specifically like with that trajectory in mind. Um, Gerard Way is not a great writer, it turns out. But that's okay. I don't think it was written to be adapted to a TV show. Hmm. I don't know that, but... Other thoughts? I think that is... Well, they they greenlit a sequel in January of yeah. this year, which is not surprising. But also doesn't say much for if it is made because Netflix pulls green lights, it seems like, all the time. Well, they've been doing it in the pandemic. They, they've pulled, like, later seasons of things over and over again. Looking at you, Glow. Uh, Teenage Bounty Hunters. Yeah. Uh, Netflix. We can get into that. Like the the media generation of Netflix is like the most opaque business driven process I've seen because we don't know why they make the decisions they do. Like when a with a movie's box office, we can go, oh, the budget was X million dollars based on industry sources, and we know they sold this many tickets because that gets published. We have no idea why Netflix makes any of their decisions. So there's a lot of like crystal ball gazing um i mean they gave adam sandler a six picture deal because netflix i think my personal theory is netflix just wants more content they don't care yeah. if it's good but they literally treat it like content yeah they're like they're turning into a content farm like what's the youtube channels like craft five minute crafts five minute crafts <laughs> yeah <laughs> or yummy yeah they're just churning out stuff to have more stuff mm-hmm. And writing on the laurels of a few good big hits early on, early seasons of Orange is the New Black, early seasons of um, like House of Cards, House of Cards, which neither of which aged well in their later seasons. Um, one of them now has Darkwing Duck in it, so we yes we don't deal with that. Yes, um, but like. The last, like, big-name Netflix show that I can think of was Stranger Things, and it isn't good anymore. <laughs> should have stopped. That one should have stopped after the first season. Yeah. They're making season four right now, <laughs> I think. Um, and that, it's not to say Netflix can't put out good content, but if they do it, it's accidental. Um, yeah, they're not green-lighting things. Because they think it will be good or award winning or yeah they would really like to win awards um they've been nominated for lots of oscars and not won many many of them <laughs> well they got best picture for roma they did um which was like one of the like worst films to release on netflix because it was filmed so much for a big screen yes <laughs> Not that the film was bad, but no. that having it, it was designed on a for that experience. Screen. Yeah, which we've not seen Roma, but everything I've read from critics I trust were like, "Oh, this is the one time where you need to see it on a big screen," <laughs> um, which is fascinating because it's not what I would expect to be a big screen film. Something like Old Guard feels like it should be a big screen film, although I don't think it actually would be better on the big screen. I'm gonna sneeze. bless you and then some of their international stuff like Lupin and Dark I think are really good 
um, but are not like smash hits in the way that Stranger Things, Stranger Things was. And those are going to both be canceled soon. I mean, well, Dark is already canceled. It ended. But um, like, I don't know how long Lupin will last, despite it being really good. And I like watching it. Well, they only finished the first part. Yes. So technically, they're still in their first season. They're still season. in their first season. So it could get canceled anytime after that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, any other thoughts? We wandered pretty far from home on there. No. Kay. No thoughts. Empty. Emptied brain. Emptied brain. Uh, and he's going down his list of thoughts. Yeah, to just see checking if we've anything. anything. Oh, this is this is the dumbest thing. This is the nittiest of nitpicks or the pickiest of nitpicks. Um, Niall gets shot in the back of her head um, when Andy is trying to kidnap her, uh, and we see her heal because she's immortal. And so, you know, the thing goes away on the front of her head. But I noticed her braids on the back of her head were perfect. Yeah. Did her hair heal too? <laughs> Lying on the ground, it does not look like the back of her head opens. They didn't go for that special. Effect. I mean, fine. But, like, when that's the premise of your movie, I was... Um, and they are quite graphic with the Yeah, other some of the other injuries are real gross. Um... But the fact that, like, either we have to accept that her hair healed, because um, that's part of being immortal, which doesn't make any sense, because um, then you couldn't get haircuts once you're immortal. You're stuck with whatever haircut you have when you die the first time. That's true. That's that would be point. rough. Just grow back. Um, or they just didn't think about it, which is disappointing, because, yeah. I don't know, it seems like a thing that you should acknowledge, because <laughs> she had her hair in braids for 90% of the movie, 99% of the movie, maybe. Hmm. Um, but getting shot in the back of her head did not hurt her braids at all, which was impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the nittiest of nitpicks. That's all I got. Should we talk about the Patreon? Yeah, tell us about the Patreon. We've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash five degrees and support us on a per episode basis. You don't have to, but if you do, we would greatly appreciate it. And as a bonus to you, you get two, count them, two whole perks. Woo. Neither of which have any particular monetary value, but they might make you feel better. First and foremost, you get double unedited versions of the audio. From the moment the microphone turns on to the moment the microphone turns off. That's right, we're going to put less work into making this show for you as our Patreon <laughs> subscriber, patron. Patron? Patron. Give us some tequila. I don't know where this is going. Uh, but yeah, you get bonus audio, mostly of us talking to our cat um, or other things uh, because we care deeply about you hearing us talk to our cat. Uh, the other perk you get is if we pick from a list of movies to watch on a given episode, you will get that list of movies we picked from. Because often I will give Amy a selection of four or five films and she will pick the one out of that that she wants to watch. And this time we picked The Old Guard. And so you'll see what movies we didn't watch instead of The Old Guard. Mm -hmm. And movies often show up again in the lists. The Old Guard has been on there a couple times. So if you were our patron subscriber, you could have watched it and not had to be spoiled now because you watched it earlier mm -hmm. if you wanted to. Um, I don't know. Do what you want. Those are the two perks. The real perk is you get to help us continue making this show, help us be self-sustaining, cover hosting costs and things like that. Because we are on a per-episode patronage structure, 
you can set a cap for your maximum monthly donation. So if we go on a movie binge and watch 30 movies in a month and you say, I don't want to pay you for 30 podcasts, you can stop from doing that. And we, we probably won't do that, but we understand if you do. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on your various podcatchers or telling your friends about us or literally just keep listening. Just, just put it under rotation. We appreciate it. Uh, we are we are always going to be making this podcast for free because that's how podcasts should be. Mm-hmm. Did I cover it all? I think that was everything. All right. Uh, visit our website. I haven't said our website in a while. Uh, five degrees between dot us. There. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.